0: Well, it's my privilege today to introduce to you our uh, speakers. And before we do that, I wanted to uh, share with you kind of an update on another one of our missional partners. Uh, One of the things that we've been trying to do in recent years with uh, some of our faith promise giving is to support uh, church plants here in the United States as well. And we spent a couple of years uh, supporting a church plant in the St. Louis area in Missouri where John and Amanda Simmons are and where they went uh, completely by faith without funding or anything and we were one of the first partners to step in with them and uh, we didn't have any church plants in Louisiana at that time and so it was a privilege to be able to, uh, to help them get started uh, and so we partnered with them for, for a while. I'm pleased to share that um, due to some, some changes in their personal finances and the church growing a little healthier they have been able to John's going to at the end of this month go full time uh, and devote his energies to uh, the, the church plant there in St. Louis. So we're excited about that. And then along came a, a new church plant in Louisiana, in the Natchitoches area. And so we invited la- uh, late last spring, I believe it was, uh, Stephen Nelson came and shared with us his vision for Awakened Church uh, in, in a college community in Natchitoches there, uh, where they're trying to and successfully reaching folks for christ and discipling them and so i'm going to share just a brief greeting from uh, pastor Stephen and his worship leader and so let me play that
1: hey everybody my name is okay. nelson and i'm a
2: pastor with awakened church in natchitoches the church plant that you have been sponsoring i want to thank you for doing that i'm here with beau vanché he is our worship arts team leader
1: yes. beau tell us a little bit about your experience with uh Waken church well, it's been really cool because uh, Awakened Church is really focused on young people and unchurched people. And you can really see a lot of the spiritual growth that we have. We've had people that have come along and um, have kind of fallen off their path or have never really found their path. And uh, being able to worship with us and finding a place where they can find where they belong um, so easily. its uh, You see so much growth not just in their spirituality but in their uh, in their mentality too. All right, so thank you guys at Cypress Street Church of God in West Monroe for all you do.
2: Please keep us in your prayers, and we thank you so much for sponsoring us.
0: All right, we're glad we got that to work. And uh, (laughs) so that's a a message from our friends down in Natchitoches, and uh, so we're privileged to support them as a partner. And another partner that we've got is uh, our Dave and Barbara Miller, and we were privileged to hear from them. Last night and, and the joy circle heard from them this morning. Our rest of our circles will get to spend some time with them after our service today. But uh, here in just a moment we're going to invite him to come and share on this Faith Promise Sunday. And I pray that you'll be uh, blessed as we already have been if you weren't able to be here last night. That you'll gain a little bit of uh, perspective on what God is up to in other corners of the world. and uh, And also just to be encouraged that what we do here through faith, promise, giving is is not something to be underestimated and uh, and it has significant kingdom value. And so I hope that you come away from that today feeling encouraged as we, uh, right after that, he speaks. I'll come and share with you about our uh, faith promises that we'll make today and, and uh, about the giving that we will commit to today. But uh, I just hope that first you'll be encouraged and... Uh, and reassured and so um, with that said let's give them a warm Cypress Street welcome this morning
1: Muy buenos dias somos los miles de Cochabamba Bolivia um... no fair you learned what buenos dias was (laughs) But we're really happy to be here, and thank you so much for your continued support, both in prayer and finance and just uh, good old TLC. We always enjoy staying with the Mitchells and their gracious hospitality to us. For those of you who don't know us, we just had our 38th wedding anniversary on Friday. I know I haven't changed a bit, but Dave definitely.
2: Well, I just want to say if, if that applause was for Barbara, it's well deserved. Yeah.
1: He's had to put up with me, so he's got more gray hair. But uh, just a little recap briefly before Dave brings the word. Uh, we have four adult children, three of whom were born in Bolivia. One, uh, Sarah, is married, and we have three grandchildren. That's always very important to mention and uh, tomorrow afternoon we'll be flying from Dallas to LA and then LA to Hong Kong to visit our son Ben who is teaching English in Shenzhen right across from Hong Kong so we're looking forward to that and we appreciate your prayers as we get to visit our son and have some time in China but uh, we're again three daughters and one son and we're very thankful that People like you continue to support us and we ask for your prayers. Um, and without any further ado, I got the first word, so he gets the last word.
2: <laughs> thank you, Barbara. And thank you, Cypress Street Church, for inviting us to be here today. Uh, three weeks ago, before we left Bolivia, we were visiting another Church of God congregation in Quai Bolivia. Uh, they were having their anniversary junta every year on the uh, anniversary of their founding every Church of God congregation in Bolivia holds a big kind of camp meeting weekend camp meeting so we were there and shared the word in Kiokoyo and they do it under a big top because they have lots of people there were about 2,000 people under the tent and this is the overflow crowd on the outside I'm showing you these photos because they send greetings to Cypress Street Church of God. That's another big deal in Bolivia. Always, they say, please take our greetings to the next church you visit. And so, greetings from the Coyo Church of God in Bolivia. This is how we do greetings. Please wave back at me so I don't feel so foolish. And thank you. I'll take your greetings back to Bolivia with me. They don't take a lot of room in our suitcases, we found out. But they're really important. And... Um, and also, uh, I just want you to know that this happens in Bolivia when I preach, so if you have to sleep today, <laughs> you'll just be right at home. We've been missionaries in Bolivia for uh, since 1981, and in 2006 we became regional missionaries. Uh, so we really work, we live in Bolivia, we still have a residency there, but we work in all of the 20 countries of Latin America, Spanish and Portuguese speaking, where there are churches and about six years ago, we launched what we call the 220 Challenge. And um, 220 doesn't have anything to do with electricity. If you've ever traveled on a mission trips, you know about 220 volts. And you plug in your hair dryer and it goes like that, you know. Uh, this is a different 220. But it has to do with power. The power of the Holy Spirit working through the body of Christ. We challenge every disciple of Jesus Christ... To help plant two churches and to help make 20 disciples. Now this is for every believer, every follower of Jesus, to reproduce themselves. Because we know that just the preachers, just the pastors and their families are not enough to fulfill the Great Commission. It takes the whole body of Christ and you have some really sharp leaders here in Neil and Julie. But I know that God, uh, is uh, His plan is much greater uh, for the Cypress Street Church. And that is for every one of you, every one of us, to become church planters and disciple makers. And I'm really excited about this um, uh, partnering with these church plants in St. Louis and with is it Steve Nelson that's doing what? which What? You know? Yeah. Uh, we met Steve. Uh, he was in a church in Florida that's also a partner with us, and we're really excited about what he's doing. There. But do you know that church planting is the most effective evangelistic strategy under heaven, according to C. Peter Wagner? Statistics that we have come, uh, we have learned are that uh, two of every three new Christians in this country, two of every three people who come to know Jesus Christ, make that decision in a church plant, in a, in a new church. And that's really the cutting edge of evangelism. And so keep it up, man. That's great uh, that you're, you're helping plant churches here in Louisiana. Because that's what uh, we're seeing God do in our part of the world. And since we've launched the 220 Challenge six years ago, Uh, We've seen 97 churches planted by the Church of God across Latin America. And uh, we've also uh, noted uh, 11,900 more people in our churches in Latin America. Now, those are not all new believers. We know that some people come from other churches and and join one of our congregations. But it is uh, a positive statistic. We'd rather have more people in our churches... Than fewer, because that means that we are making disciples. We know that every time we plant a church in Latin America, we'll baptize twenty new believers within the first three years of planting the church. And so, church planting is is a really important thing to be part of. We have a legacy. You know, we stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, another Oldham said that Dale Oldham <laughs> uh, wrote a book about that uh, about uh, giants along my path and, and a couple of our giants were Morris and Dondina Caldwell they were the regional coordinators in Latin America for Church of God missions before us and they helped recruit us and uh, they have a lot of stories to tell but I just want to share with you a story that Dondina told me when she was a high school student growing up in Anderson, Indiana. It was during the Depression. And, uh, of course, there was a big contraction in the economy and uh, people were scraping to get by. And there was a threat that maybe they would have to recall missionaries uh, because there was not enough money to support the missionaries. And Donina's father, uh, her maiden name was Fleener. Her father uh, got a Call from the Lord to pledge one thousand dollars to missions in that year, in the nineteen thirties, and he accepted that challenge and he pledged the thousand dollars. This was a time when his entire annual income was three thousand dollars, so he pledged one third of his salary. And uh, Don Dina said that year we put out a big garden. Mom canned. We didn't buy any new clothes. We didn't go out to eat. Well, in the Depression, nobody went out to eat. But uh, they made the necessary sacrifices, and they fulfilled their pledge of giving $1,000. And when I heard that story, I thought, wow, what a heritage we have as a missions community. People, you know, on the field doing incredible things, like the Caldwells, but people... Like the fleeners who have given sacrificially to the Lord to make things happen. And things are happening across the world. This was uh, a photograph we took when we were invited to preach in the Church of God in Shillong, India. Uh, There were a couple thousand people there present that day. Shillong, India. It's a country that's noted for Hinduism. But the Church of God in that part of India has has really had an impact. Uh, The city of Shillong, it's about a million population. And there are basically three evangelical churches in that city, the Presbyterians, the Assemblies of God, and the Church of God. And they say that uh, every Sunday, 70% of Shillong are in church worshiping the Lord. And, I mean... Think of the changes in that culture and in that society, because the word of God goes forth every Sunday. Um, we we just want to share with you some of the things that God is doing, because you know you don't see on the news uh, what God is doing in the world. You see a lot of other stuff, and I have a vocation as a journalist, and I'm very frustrated sometimes with our media. That they are not reporting the biggest story in our generation. And that is the story of how God is growing His church in places in the world where, up until our generation, there were no Christians. There was no significant uh, growth of the gospel. And India is one of those stories. This man, David Watson, I met him a couple of years ago. He had been a missionary in India for several years. And was completely burned out. He is seeing no progress at all in his ministry. Um, Five of his co-workers were martyred. Because the people group they were trying to reach. Was a very violent, very closed people group. The Bojpuri was their name. And uh, five of his Indian co-workers died. Carrying the gospel. Finally he was kicked out of India. He had to go to another country and live for a while. And he said, when he was there, he pleaded with God, Release me from my call. Let me go back to the United States. I'll go into business. I'll do anything else. But this missionary thing just isn't working out. He said God would not release him. So what he did is he pledged to raise up 10,000 prayer warriors. 10,000 prayer partners. And we talked about this in Sunday school today. Prayer, church is the starting point for everything in the kingdom. We are so grateful to Cypress Street Church for your financial support over the years. You've been so faithful. If you ever have to relinquish your financial support, we would understand that. We could not, though, work as missionaries without your prayers. If you don't pray for us, we might as well come home. And so he, David Watson Uh, committed to raise up 10,000 prayer partners. And people started praying for him. And he began to read his New Testament. And you know what? He said, hey, I wonder if we could do missions in the 20th century like Paul and Barnabas did it in the first century. You know what? I'm going to try it. (laughs) I'm going to apply the Bible to missions. And uh, so he began to, you know, just form a strategy just based on Scripture, and he said he called a meeting of his coworkers, and he said, you know what, we're going to do it this way from now on. And as he began to explain uh, his vision, he said, people got up and started to leave. They said, oh man, you're crazy. You can't do it that way. <laughs> he said, one, one man stayed. And at the end of the meeting he said, you know what, David, I think this might work. <laughs> we're talking about the Bible, Right. And so he said, Okay, God, give me four more co workers to replace the five that were martyred. And he said, The fifth one that came by was a woman. <laughs> and he realized he hadn't specified he, five men, you know, and this was a young woman, and she was a nurse. And uh, she, she said, Well, you know, God's called me to work with you. And what could he say? Okay, God called you. Yeah, welcome. He had a map in his office with a red spot on it. And uh, that was where this people group was, these Burges, Paris. She saw that spot there one day and she said, well, what's that? And he goes, that's the red zone. Nobody goes there. We've lost too many workers. Nobody can go to those people. The next day she came in and she said, that red spot? She said, God wants me to go there. No, he said, impossible. He said, we're not going to let you go there. You'll die well she said God called me to go there he goes I don't care you are not going there and she said to him are you bigger than God (laughs) and it kind of you know it kind of woke him up he said well yeah okay I'm not bigger than God if you want to go there it's your own responsibility she went and they didn't kill her because she's a woman (laughs) And they don't kill women <laughs> And then because she was a nurse She started treating their diseases And, and they realized this, this young woman Has something important to share with us One day the chief Called her into his uh, Into his house And his 12 year old granddaughter was, was mortally ill And he said to her You're going to cure my granddaughter And if not I'm going to kill you well, she said, let me, let me consult with my God first and uh, see what he says. So she went and she prayed. And she came back and said to the chief, well, God answered my prayer. And he said that I cannot cure your granddaughter. He will not give me that power. He said, the only way your granddaughter is going to be cured is if you ask God in prayer to cure her. And the chief said, no way. I don't even believe in your God. I don't even think he exists. And if you're not going to cure her, I'm going to kill you. She said, well, kill me if you want. I don't care. But your granddaughter is going to die. The only way is if you humble yourself before God and pray. Somehow she convinced that chief to do that. He prayed. God healed his granddaughter. And they planted a church. That was the first church that they planted in India. The first year they planted three. The next year they planted ten. And then 47. And then 150. And then a thousand. And when they planted a thousand churches in one year, the mission sent somebody there to check out, you know, missionaries. They like to inflate the figures. They found out there were actually more churches planted than they had. That was in 1991. And today, well two years ago when I met David Watson, he said they had 50,000 churches. He stepped away from that ministry after 10 years because it was, they didn't need him anymore. And they've baptized 6 million new believers. You can say amen if you want. Because this is a real story. This is, this is a, a, an amazing story. But there are stories like this happening across the world in our generation. Because God is honoring His promise to us. That if we will sow and water, He will give the increase. And when we're obedient to the Great Commission, God does amazing things. China. Largest communist country in the world. Officially atheist. When Christian missionaries were kicked out of China in the 1950s, people predicted the demise of Christianity in that country. Only 500,000 believers in 1950. How will they survive without missionaries, without contact with the West? When China reopened in the 1970s and people started going in, and my wife, Barbara, was one of those first groups to visit China in 1979. They found that the church had not only survived, it had grown. Even though pastors had been jailed, some of them martyred, killed. Even though you couldn't talk about Christianity publicly. The church had tripled. 1.5 million believers in the 1970s. That church continues to grow. Now, there are between 80 and 120 million Christians born again in China. Largest communist country in the world. Second largest Christian country in the world. (laughs) We still have the largest population of evangelical Christians in the United States. About 140, 145 million believers here. But our church is not growing. It's kind of maintaining. In China, they baptize between 3 and 5 million new believers every year. So by 2025, China will be the largest Christian nation in the world. Imagine. Officially atheist. And uh, this couple, Curtis and Debbie Sargent, they went to an island in China as missionaries. And we're talking about the early 2000s. And uh, there were 7 million people on this island. No Christians. Curtis said, you know, if I make one convert every day, at the end of three years I'll have a thousand Christians. That's not going to make much of a dent. What I'll do is, if the Lord gives me converts, I'm going to concentrate on training them how to share the gospel and to make other disciples, to reproduce themselves, to multiply as believers in Christ. And so he focused on that. And uh, it went pretty slow. You know, the first year there was just a handful of believers. But they began to multiply. They began to form discipleship groups and share the gospel. And the people in their groups formed other groups and shared the gospel with other people. They left ten years later. There were 100,000 believers. And to date, there are 700,000. Ten percent of that island is now Believing Christians. And they continue to multiply. Because they use the same blueprint that the Apostle Paul used. That which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. He says to his disciple, his spiritual son Timothy. Teach to faithful men. Faithful men and faithful women. Who are capable of teaching others also. See that's the principle of multiplication. What I've received from God I share with others. And I teach them how to share that with others. And that's how the church multiplies. It's a vision of the apostolic church. That this man also received from God. D.S. Warner. Uh, in 1878 he wrote in his journal God has given me a vision he said to to bind holiness join holiness together with all truth to build up the apostolic church of the living God praise his name I will obey D.S. Warner's vision and the vision of our church of the church of God movement is to be the apostolic church in the 21st century to do it The same way that the Apostles did it. With uh, the simplest but most effective methods. Using Scripture as our rule of faith. Using the Bible as the blueprint for our strategy. uh, Obeying Scripture and putting it into practice. One of the marks of the Apostolic Church is that every member of the body of Christ is active in the work. Uh, everybody has a gift. God gives, through the Holy Spirit, His gifts to His body according to His grace, according to His uh, will. And you have a gift and I have a gift and God gives us that so that we will invest our gifts ourselves, our lives in building up the body of Christ, the kingdom of God on earth. And when that happens, amazing things will result. Um, Barbara and I were privileged to be in Colombia in the month of August. And we visited a church in the south of Colombia in a city called Putumayo. Um, They are working in what's called a red zone. That's where there's a lot of violence. There are armed groups, guerrillas on the left side of the political spectrum uh, that were fighting the government, paramilitary armies on the right side of the political spectrum who were fighting the guerrillas, and a lot of people died. About a half a dozen members of the Church of God in Putumayo have been assassinated over the years by one group or another. Angel Pinto, the pastor himself, uh, has been threatened numerous times with death. He's kidnapped twice. Um, The only reason they spared his life is because he found out that their church has a ministry with street kids. and They teach them uh, the gospel, but they also give them uh, hot breakfasts and they help them with their homework after school, and the guerrillas found out that some of those kids uh, that they're helping in his church are their own kids. <laughs> they're related to the guerrilla fighters themselves. They said, "If we kill you, who's going to take care of these kids for us?" He <laughs> spared his life. Thank the Lord, peace is breaking out in Colombia. They signed a peace treaty, and I'm going to be going to Colombia in March to meet with church planters. Through the Luzon Church Planning Network. Because they have a vision now that the Civil War has ended. They have a vision of planting churches uh, in those areas where the guerrilla fighters are now disarm, disarming. They want to plant churches. Because they say, if, if we don't lead these ex-combatants to the Lord, the whole cycle of violence is going to start up again. So, we have a window of opportunity here. We want to plant churches with the gorillas. (laughs) And we're going to see what we can do to help them do that. But um, the Putumayo church, their building was built back in the 1970s, and it's in a tropical area, and buildings deteriorate quite quickly. And so, their church literally was collapsing. They had to tear it down and rebuild. They're rebuilding a church. Well, they don't have a lot of money. Uh, but they do have the ability to work. I, I hope this is going to work. Because uh, this is this is kind of a... Keep playing. Keep it. Oh, keep playing? Okay. <laughs> it's, working. it's working? Oh, okay. All right. So you can just see... Uh, they decided what they could do was to make tamales. And this is a favorite dish... In that part of Colombia, and they come down here. So they uh, meet. Uh, they take turns. They have a group of eight or ten people come to the church every Saturday, and they have donated chickens and cornmeal and vegetables and banana leaves. They're, they cook their tamales in banana leaves. They get together and they make eighty or ninety tamales every saturday yeah and we tried one and they're pretty good and then they take them out on the streets uh, saturday afternoon and sunday morning and they sell them and people come from all over town because they've got a reputation of being good tamale makers they've raised thirty thousand dollars to rebuild our church. 16,000 tamales. Well, it's not all tamales, you understand. They've done other things. But if you were going to raise $30,000 in putumayo, it would mean you'd sell 16,000 of these tamales. And this is just an example to us of how everybody in the body of Christ has the opportunity and the responsibility to contribute to the work that God does. Uh, As I say, God is doing amazing things through His people in our generation. And we're so glad to be partners with you here in Cypress Street. I notice these Russian dolls. That's cool. You know they all fit together. You've done that, right? I just finished writing a book with Mark Shaner about Russia. And how God opened a door to that country at the close of the Cold War. In the early 1990s. When the USSR was in collapse, uh, God laid it on Mark's heart. He was 28 years old at the time. He was a youth pastor in Florida, like Steve Nelson. <laughs> and he would go every morning out in the woods and pray at 5 o'clock. 5 to 6 o'clock, he would start his day in the woods praying. He said that was really the foundation of what happened next. Because that year at the youth convention in Florida, they got a visit from a a man named David Stone, who had just received an invitation from Shalabinsk, Russia, a city that was off-limits to Westerners because it was the heart of the military-industrial complex in Russia. They did not allow Westerners to go there. In fact, a lot of the maps of the Soviet Union didn't even have Shalabinsk on the map. Because they didn't want people to know where it was. As a city of 1.5 million people in the middle of Siberia that built atom bombs for the Soviet Union, David Stone had an invitation. Mark Shaner knew this was an opportunity that God had, and he wanted to be part of it. And he made an announcement at the youth convention to. Anybody that wants to go on a student exchange trip, that was it. It was a high school in Shalabansk, was inviting young people from the United States to come and just hang out. Share with their students and teachers what it was like to be a high school student in the United States. That was the deal. That was all they were going to do. They just wanted the Russians to know that, you know, we don't have horns and forked tails, but we're just like them. And basically, that's what they went to do. There were six young students who signed up to go with Mark Shaner to Russia. He was all set to go, and there was one problem. He didn't have any money. <laughs> he and Vicky, his wife, youth pastors in Florida, didn't have a lot of money. But they had saved $2,000. <laughs> he said they knew their old car was going to die one day, so they scraped together $2,000. That was their entire savings to buy a new car. And Mark said, I had to go to Vicki and say, you know what? Could I use our savings to go to Russia? And Vicki didn't even bat an eyelash. She said, well, sure. Obviously, this is of God. We'll get another car someday. I asked Mark the other day if he's ever bought Vicki a new car. <laughs> he said, well, not yet. But... <laughs> So he used that $2,000, their life savings. They went to Russia. They didn't know this. They didn't know they were the first Americans ever to visit that city. And when they got there, they were on TV, and they were wined and dined and taken all over the city, but they discovered one thing. Russia had a huge hunger to know God. At night, they would... Have devotions with their kids, and then the kids were supposed to go to bed. They said, "You know, you got to get your rest. You're on a trip. You're way out here in the middle of Siberia," and the kids were staying up two, three o'clock in the morning, and then they would get up at six o'clock and do this, you know, tremendous itinerary of visiting museums and schools and universities and fourteen-year-old kids speaking English to college professors in Russia who had who were English teachers, but had never heard a native speakers speak English. Things like that. But the kids were going to bed late and getting up early and they called a meeting and said, listen, we told you, you've got to get your sleep. And they said, we'd like to sleep. But the Russian kids, they're asking us all kinds of questions about God and about Jesus and about the resurrection and about the Bible. And they said, we can't go to bed because they want to know about God. And so... What could they say? (laughs) He said, well, okay. They came out of that meeting, and the Russians were waiting for him. They said, you know what? When you get together as Christians, you come out of that room, you're different. Something's radiating from you that we've never seen before. What is it? Well, it occurred to Mark to say, you know what? Tomorrow's Sunday. Why don't we just have a a worship service, and we'll show you what we do. (laughs) as Christians. And they gathered there in a room in a former communist youth camp. And they had a worship service and Mark gave a very simple gospel message. 13 teachers and students accepted the invitation to know Jesus. They left them Russian Bibles and they said we'll, we'll be back in a year. <laughs> and you you read the Bible come here every, this room every Sunday and read the Bible together. They came back and there were almost 100 people meeting in that room. Hey. Well, to make a long story short, there's now a thriving Church of God congregation in Shalabinsk, Russia, former center of the Soviet Union's military-industrial complex. Because Mark Shaner and six high school kids Responded to God's invitation, sacrificed to give. If we are obedient, God is ready to do amazing things. Everything depends on Him the grace, the power, the fruit, the results, everything depends on God except one thing our obedience we just like to thank you for your obedience and challenge you to not stop now, but to be obedient as God calls you. Pastor.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And uh, in your bulletins, you should have a little card that says Faith Promise on it, and just so we're all kind of on the same page, uh, sometimes it's confusing, what do I put down on that exactly? And and so, just to be clear, this is the total amount that you intend to give over the next 12 months. Um uh, you know, starting in, here in February uh, through next January. And uh, this, you know, like we've shared before, faith promise giving, uh, you know, different people approach it different ways. Some people put something in their budget very purposefully and planned. Some people pray about it and put down a number that they feel like God's leading them to put and then trust God to come up with it. Um, you know, some, a, a blend of both, which reminds me of the, the, you know, the story that Dave shared just a little bit ago about um, you know, the, the folks that only had $3,000 a year but put down a thousand because they felt like God wanted them to do that. and, and then they pinched their pennies and they uh, did their part and God did His part and, and made that happen. So um, this is about stepping out in faith and, and giving something above our, our regular giving to God's church. This is about supporting specifically missions, and so um, that's just kind of an explanation. So if you could put your name down and then put down the, the amount that you intend to give over the next uh, 12 months. Uh, that would be great. And what we'll do is, once you've filled that out, if you can pass it to the outside of your rows, we'll have ushers go around and collect those and bring them down front. We'll have uh, some folks down here to to uh, calculate all that up. And as it gets calculated up, we'll fill in the map. And hopefully we can fill in the, the whole world today and, uh, and reach our, our, our budget level. So. Let's, uh, let's do that together, and, and uh, Julie and I are going to share the song. How's it looking over there? Is it colored in? All right. Um, I've got a, a total here, looks like, um, total pledges, promises that came in, uh, $27,980. I think, give God a round of applause. That's awesome. So thank you so much for being willing to to uh, partner in this initiative. And we will do our best to bring you reports throughout the year. And until we get to next year this time and get to celebrate again. Uh, what I wanted to do uh, now is rather than uh, sing one more song, I want to make sure we have time uh, to pray. And so I would like to ask... Uh, Dave, and if Barbara's around somewhere, she can come down too. uh, And Carvin, if you'd come down as well. And just would like us to gather around them and pray for them and for their ministries, for the mission that God's uh, placed on their hearts. So y'all come on down front there. God, we thank you so much for the men and women on whose lives you place a special calling to go and to leave, uh, perhaps what's comfortable and... um, easy, behind, to go into places where not all of us are going to be able to go, but where we can send some, and uh, where they go and strive to plant seeds of faith in people's lives and encourage and make disciples that will also go and make disciples, and we thank you, God, for uh, the vision that you've given the Millers, the vision that you've given uh, Carvin and Sandy Adams as well. to work with these different people groups in the latin american region and, and we thank you lord for the fruit that's being uh, harvested there and seen there and we pray lord for more and we pray god that you would fill these servants of yours with your holy spirit to do your work um, each day and that we know god that you also um, own the cattle on a thousand hills and you have all the resources that they need. And so we pray that you would raise up the resources that they need to do what you've called them to do. And we thank you for what small part we get to play in that. God, we send them now out, trusting that you have much more in store for them in their ministries, and that you would do even more in the days to come than they could possibly dream or imagine. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.